It's, of course, uh, you know, very common for us to blame God for, um, you know, pretty much everything. Um, Most especially misfortune that happens in our life or disasters, death, uh, you know, horrible tragedies, um, you know, things that when we don't get our way, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In fact, you know, even, even when we're little kids, I see little kids out there who are dragged to mass today against their will, would rather be doing something else probably. And, you know, children, you're some of the best among us at, at actually saying it's not my fault, you know, and not taking blame. We learn at a very young age to blame someone else. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. It's someone else. It's someone else's fault. And we carry that throughout into adulthood and, and, and further and further beyond yet. We love to blame somebody else for, for our problems, for our mistakes, etc. And, you know, principally, of course, we love to blame God. And we may not, you know, even perhaps do it so explicitly, but, but per, you know, in the back of our minds, we sort of, we sort of hold out that excuse that it's, you know, it's really God's fault for X, Y, and Z. Now, what's interesting about these readings is they all really have to do with death. They all have to do with death. And really, they have to do with damnation. Um, And principally, first, God's relationship with death, and then our relationship with death and damnation. Um, The first reading, the Book of Wisdom says, though, that God did not create death. Death is not a creation of God's. That, that death came into the world principally because of the misuse of free will, the misuse of the free will of Satan and the misuse of the free will of human beings. The existence of death is our fault. The reason that we will die, and not just physically, but the reason that we have the ability or the opportunity to suffer eternal damnation is principally our fault. You might say, well, why the existence of hell? Why the possibility of hell? Whose, whose fault is that? It's your fault. Well, thanks, Father. Thanks for the uplifting homily. It's my, <laughs> I'm never coming back to this church. It's my fault. Well, it, it, it's my fault too. It's our fault that hell exists as a, as a possibility for each one of us. It, it, and well, how do we know this? Well, we know this because of, the, because of the remedy that was applied to our situation. Think of it this way. Let's say you go to the doctor and you say, Doc, my finger hurts really, really badly. He examines our finger, your finger. He says, I have some horrible news. I have some horrible news. You have a splinter. You say, well, how bad is it, Doc? It's bad. We're going to have to take the whole arm. The whole arm, Doc? The whole arm. (laughs) You would say, yeah, honey, we're leaving. Let's find a different doc. Right, you'd say, well, that, that solution is disproportionate to what's wrong with my finger, right? 
You wouldn't even say, take my finger. You'd say, I think I'll, I think I'll handle it myself, right? But if there was something really, really wrong with your, your entire arm, right, and, and, and you were suffering to such a degree that, that because of the pathology in your arm, the disease in your arm, it was going to kill your entire body and they had to take your arm, well, then you would take your arm, right? Otherwise, the whole body would die. Then it would be proportionate. Well, if you look at the remedy applied to our situation, what was the remedy that God the Father applied to our situation? He sent His Son to die on the cross. It was death. It was death that was, that was given and applied to remedy our situation, and not just anyone's death. It was the death of God Himself on the cross. The suffering and death of Jesus Christ was the remedy, the solution applied. Well, what that means then is that we didn't just have a splinter in our finger. That, that this, I mean, because that would be disproportionate to say that the death of God needed to remedy a mere splinter. No, the death of God was needed to remedy the death of man. The death of God was needed to remedy the, the, the death of the soul of every human being, to remedy the and heal the dysfunction of that relationship that had been caused because of, of man's sin, because of our sin. It was only, it, it needed that kind, that kind of remedy. And so we have to be, the first thing we have to, we have to look at is we have to say, yes, okay, our sins are that bad, that if God gave us justice, we would get damnation. That's just true. That is Catholic Christian tradition all the way back to the beginning. If we got justice, we would get damnation. Every single one of us. That's what we would get. It goes all the way back to the beginning. And yet, we cannot stop there. A lot of people will stop there. And they'll, they'll live their whole lives just stopping there. That we have this God that's sort of out to get us. God is not out to get you. God is not out just to apply justice to our situation. And that's what these other readings are about. That's why so, it's so important to tell the rest of the story of Jesus Christ. And this beautiful story of this little girl. That's why it matters. Because we don't have also a God who stands you know, far apart and just says, okay, fine, you're forgiven. It's all good. No, we have a God who enters into human history. Jesus Christ enters into human history and doesn't just die on the cross, but he lives this life amongst God's people. He lives and he breathes, you know, and he, and he walks and he cries and he embraces. And he goes into this house of this guy named Jairus where his daughter has just died. And everyone is weeping and crying. And Jesus is there with them in their pain and their suffering. He's not afar apart, you know, standing at a distance. He's right there with them. And he comes in amongst them as a God with them. That is what Emmanuel means, right? God with us. Jesus right with them in their muck and heals the girl. And says, I am a God with you in your pain. Remember the story of Lazarus' friend? 
Lazarus' friend. You know, he's, he's, he's been dead for three days. And Jesus is so overcome with grief. He didn't need to rise, raise him from the dead. It wasn't a great situation for Lazarus. He had to die again. Right? You can imagine Lazarus. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks, friend. Now i got to go through it again. You know? And you didn't even realize. I mean, don't you know my sisters? You know? I have to live with my sisters again. Anyway, but... <laughs> but Jesus... Jesus, I mean, when you read that, you know, that that gospel, you you really get the sense of Jesus and his pain, you know, of losing his friend, the sorrow that he has and the sorrow of everyone around him and the love of this God who loves and cries and is sorrow, sorrowful. And so we don't have a God up in heaven who's just who's just kind of waiting for us to fail and waiting for us to sin and waiting for us to do something wrong. We have a God who's entered into it with us. He's not waiting for us to make a mistake. He wants us to embrace Him. He understands. He cries with us. He embraces us. He rejoices with us. He mourns with us. And He deeply desires for us to come closer so that for all of eternity, We rejoice with Him. We rejoice with Him and in Him and with all of the other blessed in heaven. Please stand.